This podcast of local Brattleboro history is brought to you by Brattleboro Savings and Loan, the Bank of Brattleboro. It was five years ago this week that Tropical Storm Irene hit Brattleboro. All along the Whetstone Brook, rising waters caused residents to evacuate their homes and watch while muddy water from the brook damaged bridges and culverts, washed out roads, flooded basements, and knocked trailers off their moorings. The Whetstone Brook became a raging torrent, and in downtown Brattleboro, flat, frost, and elm streets were flooded with two feet of brown water. The flooding occurred on a Sunday, so the Boys and Girls Club, located on Flat Street, was closed when the rising waters breached the building. Ricky Davidson, the Boys and Girls Club director, remembers the flood. The day of Irene, being a Sunday, the Boys and Girls Club wasn't open and I wasn't at work and I was at home and I got a phone call from our then executive director and she was a volunteer with the Red Cross who had been, she had been sent to Rutland to help do some stuff up there because they thought flooding was going to be bad in that area. And she said that the fire department just called her and said that there was a flood heading down Flash Street heading to the building. And I laughed and I said, it's not even raining. <laughs> what do you mean? And she goes, I don't know. That's what they told me. I said, all right, I'll go check it out. And and I drove downtown on Main Street and I couldn't turn onto Flat Street because they had it blocked off. So I parked on Main Street and I walked in. The water had was just getting to our southwest corner of the building on Flat Street when I got here. Um, I came into the building, did what I could do to get things up off the floor the best I could as water was coming in. The building having been built originally as a parking garage, there's places where they built walls that used to be doors. The, and also the building was never designed designed to be watertight. So we take in water occasionally when we have big rainstorms anyway, and this um, just made it that much worse. And as I was walking around on the main level picking things up and water was coming in, the water got to be about knee deep here on the main level, and that's when I realized I better get out of the building. So I left the building, I stood at the end of the street with a crowd of people and police officers and everything else for a long time, just kind of watching it and feeling helpless. The water receded really quickly. So later that late afternoon, early evening, I came back down through the mud on the street because the mud was covering the entire flat street from building to building. I walked into the mud and here on the main level, most of the water was gone, but we had four to five inches of a pudding thick mud covering all of the floors. The low, our lower level, the water was as high as a tabletop at that point still and they had cut the power to the building. I really couldn't see, there wasn't a lot I could do. I came back the next morning, a lot of the water at the lower level was also gone at that point. Everything still covered in mud, there was puddles of water, and our sub-basement was completely full of water. We used for storage was completely full of water, things floating in it. And we started the cleanup process at that point. Cleanup was interesting because when I was standing at the end of Flat Street the day when the water was still coming in, um, I had kids that came to the club, parents and other people saying, what time tomorrow morning you want me there to help clean up? And it was the last couple days of summer vacation, and I didn't know what to tell anybody because I didn't know we didn't have a plan and I said I don't know I'm going to be there first thing in the morning and people just started showing up and they showed up with shovels to help move mud and they showed up with cleaning supplies and other stuff and we just started cleaning things up. Kids came, parents came, other people from the community and people we didn't know started showing up. 
So we started the cleaning up process. And at the time, the Department of Public Works had had a crew out in the street, started to clear the mud out of the street. And I went out and talked to one of the guys out there. And I said, I have a building full of mud, and I don't know where to put it. And he goes, just dump it in the road. <laughs> and I said, he goes, we'll come by and pick it up. And I said, OK. Because at that point, kids were filling buckets with mud. And they were like, what do we do with it? And I had no answer. So we just kept dumping it in the road. And it cleaned it up. And we got the mud out of the building. And then we started doing other things, like we had to rip up the basketball court floor. We had to take out the wooden dance floor. We had to get a dumpster down here to start unloading the basement once we got the basement pumped out of water of all the stuff that was ruined down there because it was storage of stuff. And there was a whole chest freezer full of food that was floating. The power wasn't on, but it was still plugged into the wall, and it was floating in the water. Once the water came out, we had to drag that out of the basement. We didn't even open it. We just dragged it out because it had been two and a half days, and we just threw the whole thing right into the dumpster. And people came every day and worked tirelessly until we got cleaned up. And then we did the traditional flood damage stuff. We had to cut up all the walls a couple of feet up from the floor, all the drywall, get fans in blowing to try to clean things up. So we did all of those things, got the wooden things out, put holes and stuff that we need to put holes in to dry out walls and in the ramps in the skate park. And then that the cleanup process went relatively quickly. Um, and I was really pushing to get the building reopened as fast as possible. Because the day after Irene hit was the day that we were supposed to reopen um, to kids. We had been closed for about a week to get things ready for the school year to start. And we weren't going to be able to open, obviously. And I remember when our executive director got back here from the Rutland area, when she, when she could finally get through because of roads, and her and the board president and I walked through the building to look at where the damage was. And this was probably Wednesday of that week. And I said, we need to get reopened as fast as possible. And the board president said, why? Why is it such a big deal? And I said, because for every hour that we're closed that we're supposed to be open, we lose a kid. And we probably lose them permanently. And once we reopened, the week we reopened, um, which was nine days after Irene, we reopened. A week later, uh, I looked at that week that year, and I looked at that week the year before, and we were exactly down the same number of kids for every hour we had been closed that we had planned to be opened. Our attendance numbers were exactly off that number of kids. But we opened after nine days. We weren't pretty. We didn't have a basketball court floor. Kids were playing on rock concrete. There was holes in all the sheetrock. But we were able to be open to kids. There was one kid who was a big basketball player at the time, and he was shooting at the hoop. And he's like, he's like, I can't make a shot for anything. And I said, you're two inches shorter than you were the last time you did this. And he went, oh. Okay, that's why I'm just missing the hoop. So it was just it was it was an interesting process to be through, and then we started the rebuilding process after that, which it was intense because we didn't have flood insurance. It was something that I think we all thought we had as part of our insurance package, but we didn't, and we didn't know it until. And it was one of those things that like you don't necessarily know until you need it that you don't have it. So we didn't have flood insurance. So any of the professional work that we needed to have done, we had to find a way to pay for it. And people from all over the country were making donations. The one really good thing, I think, about what happened was because of where we are in southern Vermont, how close we are to other things, we were on the news a lot. 
nationally, maybe even internationally. And so people were making donations. And we were getting donation checks from all over the country. And that made us able to pay for the things that we needed to pay for, to take care of the stuff we needed to take care of, to get reopened. And like I said, nine days later we reopened and then the rebuilding process happened and the community really stepped forward to make that happen for us. GPI Construction, who has been a friend of the clubs for a long time, they had crews of guys that couldn't get to their jobs. So they just sent them down to us and other places to just to, to help out where they could. So we had some expertise into how to do certain things. And they brought in some equipment to help us rip up things that needed to get ripped up and taken out. When it came time to rebuild things like our basketball court floor, the local Rotary Club stepped up. The, the materials were purchased by Vermont Yankee, actually purchased the flooring for us, and then the Rotary Club put it down for us in a weekend. Our dance floor downstairs was a floating dance floor that had been donated by Vermont Yankee a number of years before. We got it take, we took it out in pieces because it's modular that way, and Vermont Yankee took it down to one of their buildings, cleaned it, dried it, and then came back and reinstalled it for us. So we really were able to recover because of how wonderful the community is, because the people that stepped up and came and just helped for a few hours, a few days, whatever it was, the businesses and other places that stepped up to help us do the things that were really needed to get done that we couldn't do ourselves, the expertise, that kind of stuff. I mean, even our, we have a cleaning company that uh, locally that comes in a couple times a week and does heavy-duty cleaning to the building, and they showed up the first day and were helping to clean and didn't bill us for it or anything like that, just came and did what they could do to help. And that's what really was helpful for us to get through. One of the things that a lot of people don't realize because they just think of us as this kind of funky old building on Flat Street is that most of the kids in our community come through these doors at some point in their in their growing up time. Right now, we have over 1,100 members. So, so many of the kids come through here at some point or other, whether in their, when they're in elementary school and they take part in a camp or they're in the middle school years or through all the way through high school. You know, we just recently said goodbye to a whole bunch of just recently graduated seniors as they went off to college that have been coming here for years, um, some cases decades. Um, so that was uh, you know, this place is important to a lot of kids and their development and who they are as people. They figured out, helped figure out here in the building. Um, and outside of the public school system, we're the largest youth-serving organization in southern Vermont. You know, so we serve as 1,100 kids in all different kinds of ways. So getting open was really important after the flood, making things happen as fast as possible, and getting back to some semblance of normal was really important. And there was kids that were impacted by the flooding, by Irene, in their homes. And their homes took longer to get done than we did, so at least they could come here and have some sense of normal because home, maybe they weren't at home anymore because they had to go stay with a family member or someplace else because they couldn't be home or whatever else they still had here as normal, which was really important for them too. And the Boys and Girls Club of Brattleboro is constantly moving forward and looking at what the kids in our community need, how we can help meet those needs in whatever way we can meet those needs. Right now we're in the process of, our board of directors is in the process of hiring a new executive director and we are though moving forward with school programs that we're starting this year, this week, um, with school starting. 
everything from our career and college readiness programs to our sports and fitness programs to our arts programs to our leadership programs and our healthy lifestyle programs right through to serving dinner every night that we're open free snacks so we're just doing what we always do but also looking at what are the needs of the kids in 2016 what are the youth in this community need now and trying to meet those needs the best way that we can how about your neighbors the Mm -hmm. people on the street yeah you have uh many experiences or remember how how this area recovered yeah um when when the when the flooding was happening here on flat street after i checked out our building and went down to the end of the street i saw some of the neighbors some of the folks from latches some of the folks from sam's adivasi used to be right across the street from us saw them right out on the street and we none of us were sure what to do or what was going to happen the next morning when i came here to, to the club and started clean up with people that showed up here people showed up every place on flat street flat street was a buzz of activity between the department of public works clearing the mud off the street to the best that they could to people showed up and volunteered at adivasi and were helping to unload the stuff out of the store at one point a couple days after the flooding after the water and the mud had been cleared away the latches parking lot looked like a drying rack because of all the fabrics from Adivasi and the rugs and that that they were laying out in the in the hot sun in that parking lot trying to dry out what they could and save what they what, what could be saved. Sam's was doing the same thing. They were unloading things out of the basement that would be stored into the basement, seeing what was savable, what wasn't savable. You know, latches had had to bring in a special crew because their whole boiler room and things like that had been completely flooded, so that needed to happen. And I know further down the street the same thing was happening with the the backside of Emerson's furniture down at the motorcycle shop down the street you know and people that had some connection with that business or that or that part of Flash Street were showing up to help out and then other people you know I know the people showed up here wanting to help out that weren't even from the Brattleboro area we had some people that were here from New Jersey Long Island things like that that came up to help because they heard that how bad it was and after a while you have too many volunteers and there wasn't things for them to do so they went across the street they went down the street and they helped out wherever they could help out so everybody I think on the flat street benefited from the help of other people just showing up to say what can I do whether that's cleaning stuff out load, unloading things from the from people's basements putting things out in the parking lot to dry scraping mud with snow shovels whatever it took and we all did that um, flat street still is but it was definitely then it was definitely Definitely a community. We were together. You know, you know, we see each other every day. We pass each other. We smile. We wave. But when it came to it, it's okay. Okay, what do you need something? You know, and for instance, when we had to pump out our basement here, Sam's had brought in a company, somebody to pump out their basement. When they finished at Sam's, I had gone over there and talked to them, and then they just came right next door. And to be honest, before then, I didn't even know who to call to get. Like, who do you call to pump out your basement? I had no idea. Uh, not something I. I'd ever had to deal with before. Sam's had found somebody to do it, so I was like, all right, they figured it out. So I just went over and talked to them, and they were like, yeah, when we finish here, we'll come over. And that's what they did. And they pumped out the basement. We all just kind of helped each other out, and people from all over just showed up to help out. 
the history of the Boys and Girls Club here in Brattleboro is that we have been a Boys and Girls Club since 1999. Prior to that, we were the town-run teen center for a few years. The big question I always get when people kind of stop in or are walking down the street is like, didn't this used to be Flat Street, the nightclub? And yes, we are in the same location that used to be in Flat Street, the nightclub. Prior to that, I've been told we were a warehouse, we were a car dealership, an auto repair shop. So the building has a pretty long and funky history, but I think we're using it for the best way that we can now as the Boys and Girls Club. Thank you for listening to the Brattleboro Historical Society podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the program.